Welcome, everyone, back to what I expect to be a longer episode here on the Here's Johnny podcast. I am Larry. I'm Justin. And Sorry, I forgot. We are joined. <laughs> forgot. We are joined this week by the more deadly podcast crew, Rachel and Ariel. Hello. Hello. I'm back. <laughs> <laughs> so yes, Rachel has been on a lot, but Ariel, even though you've heard a lot of me and justin true <laughs> probably too much in some cases and i'm sorry for that this is the first time you've joined us for recording yeah we, we've done a couple live shows together and larry you came on the zombie girls one time but that's it yeah i haven't done an episode so you either. were part of the rosemary's baby episode yeah mm-hmm. okay that was a long time it was ago. That... but yeah. i've never recorded so that was our first book club right <laughs> I think so, yeah. <laughs> Which we should get back to. I agree. Uh, Rachel's been threatening it for a while now, so I there suspect are, there are other VC Andrews. There's a lot of VC Andrews. Mm-hmm. Dear God. <laughs> but as longtime listeners of the podcast know, when we have a new guest, we like to ask them their their horror bona fides. So, Ariel. Yes. What's your favorite scary movie? <laughs> Rachel's going to roll my eyes. Uh, my two favorite scary movies of all time, Psycho and Scream. A slasher lover at heart? Yeah. I approve. <laughs> I approve fully. But, I mean, I kind of love most genres of horror. There's not much that I don't like. So, But those are just two that I tend to like go back to the most often. Scream is some of the best stuff out there. Yeah, well, I think for me, it's like my dad introduced me to horror, and so I grew up watching everything that he showed me. But Scream was the first time, because I think I was like 13, 14 when it came out, something like that. And it was the first movie where I really like picked. Like, I want to see this. This is about my new taste in horror. So it holds a special place in my heart, I think. Do you also like Dawson's Creek? Of course. <laughs> okay. All right. A lady of taste. I like it. I grew up watching All right, Dustin, your turn. Uh, yeah. Do you have a favorite horror video game? Okay, so this is the sad thing is I get super car sick, like ridiculously so, and I cannot play anything but side scrollers. So I have not played a video game hey, in a very long time. The Friday the 13th game for the Nintendo for the NES is a side scroller. Okay. Well, I'm just saying. <laughs> I'm just saying. You do have encyclopedic knowledge about one horror game franchise, though. What is that? Sorry, I know you guys can't see my eyes anymore. I listened to the episode. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> that is true. I got wrapped up into detention. watching a new video like last week even. Oh, just a deep dive into the lore? <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. If you are interested in a fun side-scrolling horror video mm-hmm. game, Detention is one you might like. Oh, okay. It's Japanese horror. I like that. But it's side-scrolling. It's black and white. Okay. That sounds perfect. It's actually one of the first games me and Justin reviewed in the podcast. Oh. Oh, yeah. That's right. All right, next that. question. Your favorite horror book? Oh, right. I forgot you were going to ask me that question. <laughs> <laughs> I posted them in the chat. I know you did. You were very nice and prepared me. It's been a very long week. <laughs> oh, I'm glad you did because now I can reference it too. <laughs> <laughs> because you are next. Okay, so... This is going to make me sound like not a horror fan, but I actually don't read don't that much. Don't you say horror. Twilight. Don't you dare say Twilight. Oh, God. No. <laughs> I'm going to say Twilight. <laughs> Although I did just watch all of those movies. So. A lady of taste. <laughs> I also have watched those movies recently. Yeah. Really, Larry? You never mentioned it. 
I recorded them all, and we started watching them on Thanksgiving, and Devin was not impressed. Maybe turn it off. That's my girl. <laughs> <laughs> this is sadly my second time watching them through, so I just keep getting, like, roped into marathons of these movies. I feel like it's worth it maybe for the baby at the end, but... It is a beautiful train wreck of great actors in just a strange time in their lives. In the worst movies ever. Yeah. <laughs> They're so Peak, bad. <laughs> I was young and needed the money. Yes, correct. <laughs> so is it Twilight? Is that your favorite horror Oh, novel? yeah, of course. Number one. <laughs> Rachel's gonna, I'm kidding. Rachel's going to kick me off the pod. <laughs> We're not we're not friends anymore. Is that what's happening? <laughs> we're never ever ever getting back together. All right, Justin. Wait, but what right, was your it... actual answer? Oh, yeah. What was your... I want oh, to know? Twilight? No, Wait, she said no. <laughs> oh, bummer. I was excited. Oh, you were actually excited, Larry. Is it your favorite? <laughs> no, mine's Salem's yes, Lot. Yes, it is. Don't no 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 no. Don't don't. It's still vampires. No, it's Salem's Lot. It's always been Salem's Lot. And I'm actually not excited about a movie adaptation because, as Justin knows, none of them have really been good. And I just don't think they can capture... Because they're going to try to put it in modern times, and it's not going to work. Like, that movie's, part of the uh, whole... Okay, Larry, that movie's never coming out. Like, I hope... I, I don't wait, want it why to. Why not? It's been... Hasn't it? It's been, like, pushed back so many times now. Oh. Mm-hmm. It's, I'm assuming it is just another tax write-off like that, uh, uh, that Acme movie. Nope, that's coming out now. Yeah, we'll see. Notice how there was a pushback about that and not Salem's Lot. <laughs> yeah, because as, as a giant Salem's Lot fan, I just don't think you can adapt it to screen. No. Like, and apparently think... the test screenings were, like, terrible. Like, the book is so good. But, like, to capture, like, I don't think modern audiences would appreciate, like, internet's not a thing. Phones aren't a thing. It'd be very easy to get trapped in a small town like it is in that book. I just don't think that comes across well. Remind me, Larry, did you ever read the Dark Tower series? Oh, no, so good. It's on my list. So good. You know that there's some Salem slot stuff. I in, know right? the Reverend Callahan comes in. Mm, he's a very important character. Very important. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, Ariel, what's your favorite horror book? <laughs> <laughs> the suspense is actually starting to get to me. <laughs> I mean, that's the thing is, like, I honestly, I don't even really have one. I mean, I reread, like, Pikmin's model all the time, but that's not actually a full like novel novel i've, I've tried to read stephen king because of rachel but i don't ever enjoy myself so i stopped trying. Wow. what king have you read <laughs> wow shots fired i've read the shining i've read carrie you didn't like the shining land it's so repetitive rachel like because you're getting three different people's like perspectives they just say the same things over and over again if i had to listen to him chewing on excedrin one more time and wiping his face i was gonna scream and the ending is worse than the movie so i'm sorry you don't enjoy joy <laughs> sorry. So That's a sad i day would for recommend you. salem's Lot. he needs an editor is all i'm saying He's good at coming up with ideas. I, I can agree He's with like that. He's like a better storyteller than a writer. That's, that's he needs a think. closer is what he needs. Yes. yes. All yes. right. All right. Enough. That <laughs> is such a, every... that is a stereotype and it is not universally true. It is not universally true. It is true of the show. It is not universally true. That could have been 100 pages shorter. At least I 50. I disagree there. <laughs> but but yeah, I, I, the stand, I don't like the stand. That's, That's probably one of my controversial takes about King. Like, you know, they say, the stand's not my favorite. The stand it's, is not my favorite. But it's it's too long. It's it's too long. I also like I just can never get over the fact that he puts a bunch of characters in a ball and kills them off because he's tired of writing about them. 
<laughs> yeah. Is that what happened? I mean, yeah, he came out and said it. Oh, cocaine damn. is a hell of a drug. That's it's all true. I'm <laughs> <laughs> but I, I would recommend Misery. It's a shorter yeah. one. Okay. And the movie adaptation was fantastic, and mm-hmm. I think the book is even better than that. Dolores Claiborne, incredible yes. book. Uh, Gerald's Game, incredible oh, book. Gerald's Game is All right, well, maybe so I just haven't read the right ones, but I feel good. like after three, do I really need to keep going? But maybe I'll well, try. Well, you've, you've clear, you're, you know, you've, you've stated that you're a hater. We got it. Like, so maybe <laughs> not for you, but the rest of us will all have a good jo- a good time enjoying a good yarn. By all Mr. right, Fame. all right. Oh, The Haunting of Hill House. I love that book. That counts, right? Okay, a little Shirley Jackson. Yeah. Okay. What's your favorite? This is a side question. What's your favorite uh, of the adaptations from Mike Flanagan? Bly Manor? Uh, no, Haunting of Hill House, for sure, I think is the best one. Although that was I'm... the first one, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Bly Manor was good. I, think I just didn't think it was as strong. You like it the most? I'm a sucker for a, a romance. Yeah. yeah. At it's the a end of the day, I, I really am. Yeah, I get that. And the characters are lovely in it. It's like fun mm-hmm. spending time with them, like in that kitchen, you know, just like hanging out with yeah. them. I totally get that. Um, I'm right in the middle of uh, watching. What's the new one? Damn House of Usher. Yes. I haven't watched it yet. Okay, I'm only like four episodes in or something, but so far it's, it's really good. good. Very gay, boy. which is fun. Yes, and if you're a <laughs> ho dork, it's really really good. Yeah, it's just like so. I've heard it sprinkled just nonstop. Oh yeah. Constant. Oh yeah. Every episode mm-hmm. is like kind of like a post. Like each of the siblings kind of is a post story. Yeah, it's very cool. fun. Mm-hmm. Not enough. All right, Jay Money. I'm sorry. What did you uh, just say? <laughs> The whole of the House of Usher is like all about incest, and there's not a good thought I heard you say. <laughs> good to I, know. This, okay. This is a literary reference. This is very highbrow of me. Uh-huh. How dare you judge me? <laughs> okay. <laughs> what is your favorite horror monster? I think that's the next one. I don't know. They weren't. Yeah, you're right. And that's in quotations. So like for me, it's Michael Myers. Okay. And then for Justin, it's the creature from It Follows. What was yours, Rachel? Oh. Is it a xenomorph? Yeah, it's probably a xenomorph. Let's be honest. It's been a long time since we asked you. Yeah. That was Suspiria, believe it or not. Yeah. That was a long time ago. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, okay. So that's interesting. When I was thinking about this, I thought you were asking about like universal monsters. So I was just going to say the invisible man, but I'd have to okay. give that some thought if it was like any monster. Well, then I will ask you the next question and okay. you can come back to that. What is your least favorite horror trope? And for an mm. example, mine is torture porn and Justin's okay. is found footage. Oh, so I you think... don't mean a trope. You mean like a subgenre? Yeah. Yeah. Like a, oh, okay. a little... Oh, because I knew What's your, your least answer for favorite. Thing what were you gonna say, horror? Rachel? Uh, old women, naked old women as horror. Yeah, is your least favorite trope. Yeah, naked old women as monsters is my. Le- it's mm-hmm. just been used so mm-hmm. much in the last couple of years. I'm like, stop it. But um, gosh, for a subgenre, probably torture porn too. I'm not that big of a fan of that. I got really tired of that really quickly. Me too. I see there's only two Saw fans in this in this chat right now, well, Rachel. Listen, I liked the original Saw and I liked <laughs> Saw 2, but I had to stop. The only other one I've seen is um, Spiral. I Jigsaw? Think. So Spiral. you haven't seen okay. the best one, which is Saw 3. Right, I, I can't. Agree. It's like all Saw 3D. Lights, you, you, so. you forgot a letter there, Rachel. Saw 3D. Oh. We're breaking, <laughs> we're breaking up with you. <laughs> I, I don't, the Saws don't bother me. It's like the Eli Roth. Mm-hmm. torture porn stuff like the human centipede stuff 
that was like I just don't yeah for me I think it's like when it's like I don't mind cutting up bodies and stuff in a movie I'm all about gore that's fine I think it's when it's that constantly the focus is on the pain and it's super nihilistic too after a while like you can only watch so many of those movies before you need to take a shower you know in the human centipede too like what i actually that's one of the things i've turned off it was when she like had the baby in the car and she pushed the gas pedal down oh right and that's when i turned it off and i'm yeah it would take a lot for me to watch like an actual like torture porn horror film after that sure yeah, that was that was too much. <laughs> too much for you. A step too far. And then before I ask you the question again, in Insidious, I have always said one of the scariest things I've ever seen is the old woman in black in the window. Mm. Is that the kind of trope that you don't like, or since she's closed? No, no, no. no. Like, I'm talking about when it's like, like Pearl or not Pearl. Yeah, uh, Smile. X. Yeah. X. Well, yeah. Was it X? Yes. Yeah. It is. Um, Barbarian. Oh, okay, okay. Like the grotesque, like the idea that it's horror because of the grotesqueness of an older female body. Yeah. The saggy boobs. Yeah. All of it. Yeah. It's just, um, I don't know. I feel like if it was Yeah, once justice for a- saggy boobs! <laughs> <laughs> I feel like if it was once in a while, I could get over it, but it's just, it's so much. It's so frequent now. I need, okay. I need something new. All right. I gave you time. Your favorite or oh, you expected me to be thinking face. about it while we were talking? I can't do two things at once. Yeah, what are you you're talking not about like Come on. <laughs> All right. Well, I will give you time, and if you okay. come to it, you let right. us know. Just shout it out randomly. Like, okay. <laughs> at the Perfect. most strange time possible. <laughs> will do. So, as always, we do what's been new. So I will start with Rachel. Sure. So I haven't had a ton of time to watch stuff, but I did get a couple of things in. Um, I watched the new Mean Girls, which is out okay. tomorrow. So I think it'll how be is out. it? Do you like the original? Hell yeah. Do you like musicals? Hell yeah. Well, prepare to have a really good time. Because that's <laughs> what it is. <laughs> I mean, there definitely is some updating that happens. You know, Janice gets to actually be textually queer. There are some new jokes and things like that. Like, um, but like in general it's the same story kind of told through a little bit more of a modern lens like there's like social media is incorporated into it things like that right like it's a very gen z take on it but it has the same spirit and musical numbers so is rachel mcadams and amy poehler in it no so the like uh, renee rapp plays regina george um and uh her mother is played by gosh what is her name she was in Freaks and Geeks. I can't think of her. Oh, name right I know now. who you're talking about. It's a remake. It's not a sequel. No, it's a remake. It is. So what it is oh. is well, yes. So the movie came out, and then the it was adapted into a musical that like a Broadway musical, and okay. um, this is the movie version of the Broadway musical. Oh, I thought it was a sequel. Mm-mm. No, it is a re. It is the same film or same story, but the the musical version of it yeah because they already made a sequel to mean girls did they yeah there was mean girls like a straight too? to video thing i think so yeah okay it's okay. not as good 
Shocker. Obviously. <laughs> yeah. that, that none of us knew else knew it existed. It's probably a sign. Right. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, it was. So I had a really good time. It was uh, I got to take Matilda to the press screen. It was her, the day before her birthday. So like her first birthday gift was I took her to the press screening of it. And Fun. so we kind of like there were a few other people in the theater, but we mostly had it to ourselves. Nice. And uh, it was yeah, it was a lot of fun. Um, the music is like pretty good in it. I'm not really a musical person, but I ended up having a really good time. Uh, Gretchen, no, yeah, Gretchen Wiener songs, the best of all the songs. Um, it's her sexy song. Uh, so yeah, <laughs> had a lot of fun with that. I would recommend it if you like Mean Girls. And then the other thing I watched, which is like the polar opposite, was I watched the first season. I got to watch the second season, but I watched the first season of The Curious Case of Natalia Grace. Have you guys seen this documentary series? No. Oh, boy. Yeah. You guys need to watch this. It is fucking wild and it will make you, it will enrage you, but also it's so good. So you've seen the movie Orphan, correct? Oh, it's that case? Yes. Oh, okay. I know about the movie. I haven't seen it. Okay, so it, that movie is kind of inspired by the true story of Natalia Grace, who was a orphan from the Ukraine with dwarfism who was adopted into this family and then they became convinced that she was not a child that she was an adult and this is and so what they did was they just stuck her in an apartment and moved to Canada and then later charges were filed for abandonment but there's all of these sort of like legal things that happened that make it really complicated and it's unclear how old she is so there's like a lot of investigation that goes into that um it's fascinating it's fascinating and it does a really really good job of making you go like she's an adult she's a child she's an adult she's a child like really kind of back and forth the one thing that you will not be back and forth on though is how horrendous her father is he is a he's like he is michael scott like the worst version of michael scott and it's just yeah it is and you, at first you're like why are they giving this guy a platform he is a fucking monster and then you're like oh that's why because he fully exposes what a piece of shit he is um and it is fascinating it's on hbo okay uh, i highly recommend it like i sat down to watch the first episode while i was crocheting cut to i've watched the entire season <laughs> hbo has some fantastic documentaries yeah mm-hmm. a couple months ago i was telling justin about bs high which mm, is about the 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 guy who made a fake high school oh and, yes yeah and was what? able to get a game against the best high school team in the country on okay that's kind of awesome yeah that's kind of awesome and like <laughs> Devin hates sports and she watched the whole documentary with me and yeah. it was the same thing because they put the coach on and let him talk you're like this guy's a piece of shit and they you're wondering the same thing why it's because mm-hmm. they're letting him hang himself yes very that it's very that and if you've never seen the jinx which is also on hbo i so have good. oh my god Okay. Well, I would say that this documentary is up there. Really? Okay. Oh, okay. Okay. I love and a this, good documentary. The second season, like the first season, the talking heads are basically all of her neighbors, her father, her, one of her brothers. Um, and then the second season is her. It's called, the second season is called Natalia Speaks. And it's like her talking okay. to the filmmakers. So highly recommend that. You fixed the books. Ah, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) 
I sure did. <laughs> I like turned my camera off because I was trying to find actually you guys were talking about coloring books and I was trying to find the one that Ariel got me, which is the Nicolas Cage coloring book, but I couldn't find it because my shelves are in such disarray. But while I was at it, I was like, burr, burr, burr. <laughs> All right, so we know you uh movies and TV, any games, any books? I mean, I am in the middle of a book um called Where the Devil or The Devil Takes You Home. Um, but I I have not gotten far enough into it to give a really good review, except for to say it is not for Justin, because it has one of the most grotesque violence against children scenes I oh, have lovely. ever heard, which is saying a lot. <laughs> it is not for you, and it has some animal violence, but it is it is really good otherwise, but I'm not done with it yet, so I can't give a full review. All right. So with that, Justin, what's been new with you? I have continued to play that game that I cannot talk about. Uh, I've been continuing to play the last of us part two remake, uh, which comes out in like, yeah. Oh, trust me. I had to like prepare myself for it. Yeah. That thing Um, is emotional BDSM. That's a lot. The rough ending. Yeah, emotionally grueling. Hey, I sent you that text of somebody somebody agreeing with you in that. No, that is incorrect. I have. Did you not see this, Rachel? I have not. Lot disagreements. Okay, I'll send you that. It's really funny. I am not like that person. Who is it? Like Matt Walsh or something? (laughs) No, it's uh, somebody I work with at uh, the Canadian Writing Place. Oh, Uh, oh, oh, they agree with Larry. Got it. Got it. uh, But it's very much they have a you should smile more energy. Mm. yeah them. it's not me being like no, why it's... did why did she go all the way there and give up everything that she did that's not the point of the game <laughs> <laughs> that's literally the point Ariel, have you ever did you listen to that episode which one the last of us part two review oh no rachel yeah. thought that she actually made me mad because she came well you also did not talk to me for like two weeks after that oh my god i think that's true like you can ask you can ask randy i cried (laughs) i was like i ruined it they're not my friends anymore (laughs) i was not that mad about we we did disagree though you guys disagree all the time though that's nothing new that was that was the ice that was like the the seal breaker Uh, now i know now i know we can like disagree and like it can get fiery and we're okay on the other end but that was the first time we ever like got spicy and justin was over there just rubbing his hands (laughs) i didn't have to do it so (laughs) all right last was part two game you can't talk about what else uh other stuff i can't talk about and then i've just been watching some speed running when i go to sleep because agdq starts this weekend okay perfect ariel how about you um yeah so i haven't watched that much lately either i'm about to move like tomorrow so my life has been consumed with like hence all the boxes behind you. (laughs) yes i was a little worried about it being echoey because i'm just surrounded by boxes but um yeah so let me think oh i did do i finally watched all of the kenneth branagh poirot movies because i had never seen them before um you know i love the original murder on the orange express so much i kind of never delved into it but when the newest one came out and everybody was saying murder in venice was really good i was like okay well i should watch these and i was pleasantly surprised it was really fun he's a he does a good job of being poirot and like cgi train aside i thought it was really good um and i enjoyed all of them so yeah and i just reread 
Halloween party too because I hadn't read that one in years before watching a murder in Venice and they were very different but uh, murder in Venice was really fun and uh, perfect yeah I mean I, I talked about night swim last week right sorry that just reminded me was it bad night swim I I hate it. Oh, that's such I a believe your one. review in the Discord was farts. <laughs> yeah. Like, oh, um, okay, so have you ever seen, uh, what was the episode of Are You Afraid of the Dark? We watched Larry. Uh, uh, oh, the one where they're in the pool? Yeah. pool? yeah. You're better off just to watch that. Oh, You'll probably have a better I love time. that episode, but that's a oh, bummer. So, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's my favorite. Yeah, that's a this really good just... one. That sucks because I saw the trailer like a couple times seeing different movies, and it looked really like creepy and fun. And then they show you, uh, and then it's all ruined. Uh, well, and that's what that. we were talking about last week. Bummer. Was like when I saw the trailer, I immediately got Lights Out vibes. Yeah, and I I didn't know it, but just said I was right. Like it's like it was it's a great a short. YouTube short. Okay, but when you expand it out, didn't work. It falls apart. Like I think what I told Larry is that the when they show the monster, it reminds me of uh, John Leguizamo in Spawn. Yeah, he did from nineteen ninety eight. Oh dear! The clown. The yeah. clown. Yeah. Oh dear. But it, it's not a clown. But but it, it kind of reminds you of that. It was like. It's, but it's clownery. Like I was sitting beside Michelle and I said, "Is that John Lewis?" And, oh, that's so weird. Uh, yeah, and to put it into better perspective, there were audible laughs when mm. it was like that's things good. coming on screen. That's rough. That's no, good. that's only good like for like a so chuckles. bad it's good movie. Then you're okay to laugh. Otherwise, that's a bad sign. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. No, so, you're fine. I'm glad. I guess I, I was planning to go see that, but no, I'll save no. my ticket money. <laughs> yeah, I think Ari, I, I need to update our doc, but I'm pretty sure Matilda's going to put an arrow down on it. She had okay. to watch it this week. <laughs> go, oh, right, right, right. <laughs> like, Anything else? Um, I've read a couple of thrillers lately. Honestly, if anybody has any good recommendations out there for some good thrillers, because I've read a couple like really crappy ones in a row, and it's bumming me out about the whole genre. I keep finding ones that about like priest. Uh, <laughs> um, Michelle's reading a book called "Does It Hurt?" Oh, it's okay. a sexy novel. If you would like, okay, sure. So let me show you some books. I I recently bought Devin the last one. You can keep talking, but I'll show you the collection. Oh, okay, oh, okay. Uh, yeah, sure. She she told me about a scene where somebody gets bent over the side of a boat and is like trying Adult? not to get eaten by sharks, but also having sex at the same time interesting yeah All right. she said it's trash but it's funny yeah so no i think we know what our next zombie girls book club <laughs> is gonna be you guys are gonna ruin my kindle algorithm all over again oh bitch your kindle algorithm is already wrecked it but is i've been rotted. working on making it better man <laughs> no more like weird werewolf porn bean dur- no i didn't say oh, that Ariel. But... I'm <laughs> so Devin enjoys like she wants to collect a certain kind of book and it's all based around this series so here we have the crack of the oh yep. Uh-huh. Yeah. yep i have had those recommended to me on my kindle and yes. then we have the gargoyles captain yep <laughs> tell me about your algorithm again ariel we have the demon's bargain okay i haven't seen that one and the dragon's bride oh my and the next one is something about a succubus and it's the first lesbian one so oh all right cool at least they're opening themselves up now, right? I mean, it sounds like they've been opening themselves up. <laughs> Anything else, Ariel? No. Let's move on. Okay. Uh, for myself, I re-got Funimation because I want to finish the Chainsaw Man anime. Um, 
But Devin's been busy, and I wanted to finish it with her. So I've been watching Black Lagoon, which is just like a darker anime about uh, pirates. Um, Dragula, obviously, up to date. Hoping my girl Blackberry brings it home. Movies, Bride of Frankenstein, obviously. And then uh, a movie we'll talk about in the Patreon section. You can say it. It's called Frankenhooker. Frankenhooker. It was a trauma AKA movie. AKA Larry's it, new favorite film. And as now, soon as I saw... His personality is now Frankenhooker fan. Right. And as soon as I saw it was trauma, I knew I was not going to have a good time. But uh-huh. we'll get to that. Okay. Games. I beat Kingdom Hearts Melody of Memories. How was that? I've ne- I only played the like two songs and then I was like, eh, it's okay. So I didn't even know it existed until UFF reviewed it. Okay. And as you know, I've never played a like a rhythm game before. And I don't know if I suck at rhythm games Probably. or if it was offbeat, but I struggle uh, even on like the easiest mode. <laughs> so that is part of the reason why I decided not to play it because it is a little offbeat. It's not okay, so, so as crazy. smooth. No, like you should try uh trombone champion theater rhythm oh i fucking love trombone champion i bought that shit at christmas and we were playing it like crazy uh, that is like basically that okay. is playing at all times in the background does the same thing happen to you where like you start playing it and then everybody's just like laughing trying to play it yes okay oh, it's, yeah it's, fucking, it's a great time Mm-hmm. Um, Larry, you should play uh, theater rhythm or whatever it is. Theater final rhythm. Bar line. Yeah. yeah, final bar line. You would enjoy that a lot more too, I think, because it is Final okay. Fantasy based and it's a lot smoother. Yeah. And um, the final song is like twenty minutes long and made me cry twice. So. Oh. Okay. And uh, as a I, fan of the series, yeah. Tw- well, I had time to start crying and then stop crying and then start crying again. <laughs> uh, but Larry, as a fan of the series, I think you would enjoy it a lot. Yeah, I actually, it's funny you said that. I did add it to my library wish list, but there's another game I started. It's going to take up a lot of time before I get to that. But I will say, two things happened. It, I, I really might start playing Kingdom Hearts again. And Matilda, not Matilda. Mars? Mars has not beaten Kingdom Hearts yet. I beat that boss for, and I don't think they've touched it since. Then the other games that I'm playing is more Final Fantasy X. I got the Mega Sisters, which was the rest of the summonings. Um, I just I just have to do Omega Ruins and Sin for monster catching. That's all I have left. And then what are you gonna do after that? I got I haven't touched Blitzball. Oh, good luck. I know, but longtime listeners know there is a game that Justin has been asking me to play for a long time, and I got it from the library. And he's actually wearing the shirt tonight. Uh, I started Persona Five Royale. And I. It is not what I expected it to be. It's like a straight up anime. Like there's like anime cutscenes throughout it. And apparently it's 80 hours long. So 86. 86 hours long. So I've never played a game that's like that big before. So we'll see. Man, okay. Have you have you gotten in like a battle yet? Yes. Is the battle music not fucking amazing? The all the music's great. The whole thing's been great. It's it's a it's a vibe uh it's a vibe i just you don't have to watch that now but that is my i just put in chat my favorite song from that okay soundtrack and then books um a book i can't talk about but i did send something over to you rachel oh you weren't paying attention no she's not listening to us that's okay oops I see Persona Five. Is there something? Oh, oh, the oh, yes, yes, yes. The thing you sent me today. Sorry, I was on deadline today, so I'm up 
Ariel can, can confirm I'm a mess oh, today. Yeah. Um, <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. You're fine. But I do. No, you're no, busy. I am. You're busy. That is, no, that, no, yes is correct. I'm a mess. Oh. Um, but I do have it. I saw it. I'm excited to read it. I saw your headlines. Sounds like you liked the book. So I did. So I'm excited. I did. Uh, and then I finished Dead to the World, which is the fourth Sookie Sackhouse novel. Oh, nice. Um, Wait, is that the one where Eric loses his memory? Yes. Memory? Okay, yeah. That's it a is. good one. It is. It's the best one yet. Yeah. Because I was kind of wondering if I was going to keep going mm-hmm. with them because I like the earlier seasons of True Blood and the the books just weren't really giving me the same vibe okay. as like the show yeah, was. Yeah, they're pretty different. But this book was fantastic. And then I just started last night Iron Flame by Rebecca Yaros. Maybe you guys have heard of Fourth Wing? Yeah. Yes, so it's a second it's a sequel to that. Oh, okay. And um I loved it. Uh it it's I've been told it's like smutty light because there's like some sex stuff in it, but it's I roll my eyes at it because she's she's longing too much. Like she had too much fun making out with them. <laughs> and I'm just there for the dragons and like, like killing each other. Gotcha. And then the other thing, which I know Rachel's gonna care about, is the Dolphins collapsed in the end of the season and in the playoffs we have to go to Kansas City Saturday night. That's gonna be cold. The Chiefs, I got worried for 17. a second. <laughs> Holy crap. I thought you were talking about real dolphins and I was like, collapsed. <laughs> and I was like, oh, sports ball. Yeah, I lived in Kansas Apparently City I'm a Ravens for fan. a couple years and it gets cold. They're they're the Ravens will probably win it all. That they are my team to beat. So Gotcha. Cool. It's a good team. Go Ravens. <laughs> With that, we uh, love Poe. Yeah. <laughs> Doing a little That's jig. why they're the Ravens. You know that, right? No, I have no idea. Yeah, the Baltimore, Baltimore Ravens. I mean, yes, obviously, they're my favorite team. Of course I know that. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so with all that, we've been in the pre-show long enough. Let's talk The Bride of Frankenstein. Last week we reviewed Frankenstein, and I think overall we kind of liked it, and we were excited to kind of go this route. I have seen this, but it's been a very, very, very long time, and um, I have. Justin, have you seen Bride before? What is happening? Uh, no, don't worry about it. Uh, no, I haven't seen Bride. It is actually the first time. Oh wow! Okay, I've ever seen it. And then Ariel, you have seen it before, correct? Many times, yeah. Okay. And then <laughs> Rachel, have you seen Bride this, of Frankenstein before? This was a first watch for me. I, you know, sometimes you see things you've never seen before. And <laughs> this would be one of two things this week. <laughs> I, I heard, and what kind of precipitated this episode is that this Universal Monster era is kind of a shame hole for you. 
It sure is. It is, definitely. I mean, honestly, all of this sort of uh, black and white 1920s, or like 1920s through 1970s, essentially, is a shamehole for me. Um, one of the things that I'm doing this year, I've pledged to do, is watch a lot more classic horror. And one of them was this film, because I do... I'm having trouble being serious right now, but I am trying to like expand my horizons as a horror fan because I do think that talking about modern horror, having this sort of base to work from, like where a lot of the origins of these things that have become tropes is, is makes me a better horror fan and critic. Yeah. So, and yeah. that was one of the reasons why Justin and I, when we designed like the season format, why we go from like the old stuff to the new stuff mm -hmm. in these like different subgenres mm -hmm. is so that we can hopefully pick up on things and see like where they came from uh so with that i'm just not looking at the bottom right part of my screen <laughs> i can't i can't had stop. you not seen it before larry <laughs> no and honestly i was more just wondering how he got that picture so uh -huh. every once in a while his eyes line up perfectly with some testicles and his mouth lines up there it is <laughs> oh, but I have a, I have a better one, and I feel like this will suit our topic of conversation even better. Yeah, okay. All right. Okay. There are ladies present, sir. There <laughs> we go. Finally, some class. Some Larry, you, you know, never should quality. have those book covers. I think I might have actually sent this to Larry already. Ariel, you have uh, said that you were willing to do the background. Dick face. Oh, <laughs> excuse me, Rachel. <laughs> So, um, yeah, why don't you go ahead and give us a background on this movie? Okay, yeah. Well, I'm very excited about this because I have been trying to get Rachel to watch some of these movies for eons, it feels like. So I am glad that there was a sort of forcing that happened here. <laughs> Although I'm a little bit nervous that she's going to hate it and then we're not going to be friends anymore. So we'll just have to wait and see. <laughs> Uh, I would say that your takedown of Stephen King is not helping. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. That's fair. <laughs> all right. So I am not going to get into all of um, the director, James Whale's background, because you already did that on a previous episode. So if you guys mm -hmm. have not listened to the Invisible Man one, go back and listen to that. I will just add, though, that you did mention that James Whale is a gay man. And one of the things that I don't I can't remember if you touched on so much is that he was an out gay man in the 1930s, which is essentially unheard of at the time. And mm -hmm. there is an episode of Queer um, Queer for Fears. Is that what that documentary is called? Yeah. Queer for Fears. Yeah. Mm -hmm. On uh, Shudder, the second episode, like the first half of that one is all about his career and his oh, contributions cool. to horror and sort of how his queer identity influenced his horror. So if that's something you're interested in, I would really recommend, you know, giving that yeah, a watch. Yeah, definitely. All right. Okay, so as Larry had mentioned before in his research for the original Frankenstein, the ending of that one was changed during after preview screening so that Henry Frankenstein was left alone at the end, which obviously also provided an opening for a sequel. <laughs> Um, this also meant that any sequel, though, had to be based on the premise that the monster lives through the fire at the end of the first movie. So they kind of retconned like the wedding that happened and started right after that. <laughs> so after the box office success of both Dracula and Frankenstein, Carl Lamell Jr., the founder of Universal, he immediately decided that sequels had to be made and he wanted those scripts written immediately. So he also wanted James Whale to direct this Frankenstein sequel, but whale had decided that he kind of wanted to stay away from making any more monster movies 
And so a whole bunch of people ended up writing treatments of this, so like a ton of different scripts, and they kept getting scrapped because just nothing worked. And then uh, John L. Balderston, he's the co-writer of the original movie, he ended up writing a script that had the prologue that we see in this film of Mary and Percy Shelley and Lord Byron talking, but the rest of his script was scrapped. They didn't use any of it. They just kept that you know beginning section. Um, That's part of the movie. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, fun fact, in his script, though, apparently the bride is created from the oversized head of a circus freak and women's body parts that came from train wrecks, but it was deemed to be too gruesome for consideration, and they got rid of the it. The original Frankenhooker. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so by 1934, Whale had made six successful movies for Universal. Um, he made The Impatient Maiden, The Old Dark House, The Kiss Before the Mirror, The Invisible Man, By Candlelight, and One More River. And eventually, he decided to change his mind about making a Frankenstein prequel. <laughs> I just said prequel. A Frankenstein sequel when Lamel agreed to give him basically complete creative control and he could just kind of do whatever he wanted. So Whale then went to work with Balderston and William Hurlbut, who was the author of this play called Lilies of the Field, to make a new script. Okay, so while they were working on this script, Whale decided he was going to go ahead and cast the picture even before the script was, like, they had finished writing it. And because of that, he kept, like, casting people and wanting them to make changes to the script to kind of, like, match who he had cast. And Balderston got really pissed off and demanded that his name be removed from the screenplay, but he was still giving credit anyways for the adaptation. So Frankenstein came out pre-code, but The Bride of Frankenstein sadly came out during the early days of the Hades Code, which lasted from 34 to 68. And um, production began on January 2nd, 1935. So obviously that was right in the beginning of it. So Joseph Breen, the administrator of the production code, was not happy with this script. Uh, Whale ended up writing him a letter kind of assuring Breen that any depiction of necrophilia, gruesomeness, and religious imagery would be modified to suit the demands of the code. Which is maybe why we don't actually get necrophilia in the movie. <laughs> I, this has a severe lack of necrophilia, right? I have to say. That was, that's the, for my first note. The code was one of the biggest bummers about Hollywood. Yeah. Because some of those Indeed. movies pre-code were just nuts. Oh, yeah. Great film noir pre-code. Pretty amazing. Yeah. It's sad because it was such a long period of time, too. I mean, over 30 years. Yeah. All right, so Boris Karloff, of course, reprised his role as the monster of The Bride of Frankenstein, but he almost refused the part because of how grueling the film process was the first time around. Larry, you talked about how the makeup Whale took... was a dick. <laughs> <laughs> and that the makeup took like four hours to put on it's every day. It's hurl butt. The... <laughs> the suit weighed like 45 pounds, and um, one day while they were filming, I guess he spent 25... 25- 25 hours straight in the makeup and he was just like sick of it at that point and didn't want to do it again so but i mean obviously he eventually got you know convinced to do it um colin clive is back to play henry frankenstein again sadly at this point his alcoholism had gotten worse since that first film um it was pretty bad at this point but whale decided against recasting the role because quote unquote the hysterical quality was necessary for the film so he kind of used it kind of reminds me of that scene in Jaws you know where they reshot that one over and over again and mm-hmm. kind of used his drunkenness to their advantage yeah yeah. I was really bummed out I was like when I was doing the research like 
I didn't know any of that was fuck Colin Clyde, but he was like my favorite actor in Frankenstein. Yeah. So like to find that out and then to see Sad. this after finding it out, it was. It was a little bit heartbreaking. Yeah, it sucks. Yeah, well, and in the Queer for Fear documentary, they also talk about how um, well, that James Whale essentially cast people that he knew, even if they weren't out at the time, were queer themselves, including oh. um, Elsa Lancaster, Colin Clive, and one of the other actors as well, whose name I'm spacing on right now. And that what's that docu- what's that docu series on? Uh, Shutter. I am going to be watching that this weekend. Yeah, it's interesting. They have a section right after that on Hitchcock that you might find really interesting, too. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, But essentially, they were saying that he would hire these actors and then kind of um, let them act in a way that they had to repress in other films. So some of the... The campiness, I'm sure we'll get into, especially with like Dr. Pretorius, was because Mm -hmm. he kind of allowed people to act the way that they, that like no other director would allow them to. Um, Okay, so Dwight Fry also was originally going to reprise his role as Fitz from the original film, but instead he was kind of recast as Carl Glutz, the village murderer. Um, But he essentially plays a very similar role. So I don't, I'm not sure exactly why that change was made. And then Ver- Valerie Hobson took over the role of Elizabeth. If you notice, it was a different actress because May mm-hmm. Clark's health had begun to fail at this point. So she wasn't like up to, to playing the role. And then um, apparently Claude Rains, who starred, of course, in Invisible Man, he owed the studio like one more picture. And he was slated to play the new kind of eccentric character we were just talking about, Dr. Septimus Pretorius. Uh, but instead, Reigns was assigned to like a different movie. And so that's why they gave it to somebody else. And apparently Bela Lugosi was also considered for the role. But then it it and it ended up going to excuse me, it ended up going to Ernest Thesiger. Thesiger? I'm not sure how you pronounce his last name. When we did the Black Cat review yeah we found, like, i didn't know that bella and boris were like not buddies right like they did not get along no. and i did not know that until <laughs> then <laughs> that's like the coolest thing is you can use like you see these character actors and you see like the characters they play yeah and, like, in your head you build this like idea of who they are they're all this, like best friends hanging out like, <laughs> there is not a lot of love lost between these guys no um rachel what's that What's that podcast that we're always talking about? Oh, you must remember this. They did a whole season on the two of them and some of their... Really? Mm-hmm. It's really interesting. Yeah. You are just filling up my feed. Perfect. Okay. <laughs> All right. So Elsa Lancaster, of course, plays a dual role in this film, not only as the monster's mate, the bride, but also but also as uh, Mary Shelley, of course, the author of Frankenstein, because she appears briefly at the beginning of the film to kind of set up the whole it's the thing. Same person. Yeah, you didn't write. It's the same face. <laughs> I didn't, Justin, do you recognize him as the same? Yeah. I mean, she okay. has a pretty distinctive cool. face. I feel like. Well, all women look alike to you, Larry. <laughs> Can you tell that I'm up here and Ariel's down there? Upset. <laughs> <laughs> Please continue, Ariel. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So Jack Pierce created the original makeup for Frankenstein. And for the second film, he altered that original 1931 design to kind of show the after effects of the mill fire. 
by adding scars and shortening the monster's hair like it had gotten singed. And then if you pay close attention over the course of the film, he kept modifying the monster's makeup so that he would be healing over time, which is pretty cool. I wondered. Okay. Yeah. So that's why it kind of changes a little bit. And then Pierce also co-created the bride's makeup with strong input from Whale, especially regarding her iconic hairstyle, which was based on Nefertiti. And Lancaster's hair was actually used. It was given a Marcel wave, and then it was put like over a wire frame that was on her head, and that's how they achieved the style. Rachel's shaking her head like that makes sense because she does a lot of hair stuff. <laughs> Knows way better than <laughs> I do. Have you had a Marcel wave before, Rachel? I have. Mm-hmm. I have. Really? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It did not look very good on me, but I have done it. <laughs> Please. <laughs> it was like very flat to my head and I had like birth canal head. I don't know. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> You're ridiculous. All right. So Vera West was the head designer for Universal Pictures. And Rachel, I actually think I might want to do a whole like Patreon episode or extended episode on her because her career and life is fascinating. But essentially, she made more than 400 costumes between 1928 and 1946. She also designed whole wardrobes for the studio's like biggest stars. And she designed costumes for Dracula, the mummy and Elsa Lancaster's gown in The Bride of Frankenstein. Of course, her contribution was uncredited because of course she has lady. Vera West, that's not Did... who the girl from uh, the costume designer from Incredibles is based on, is it? From Incredibles, mm, interesting. Oh, I don't know. I'll interesting. be myself. I I know that Edna Mode from Incredibles. She's based on like a famous costume designer, oh, maybe okay. someone else. Gotcha. So her. Uh... Edith Head. Oh, yeah. Thank you. That makes God sense. Damn, Justin. Thank yeah. you. Thank you. Okay. Okay. So Vera West, one of the things I thought was really interesting, but also super sad, is apparently her death was ruled a suicide, but many people think that the police didn't investigate enough and that she was actually murdered because she was being blackmailed prior to her death. And... um if you're wondering, one of the many reasons why I didn't get enough sleep last night, it's because I fell down a little bit of a rabbit hole reading about that. <laughs> oh, that's cool. Yeah, let's definitely do that. Yeah. Let's definitely cover that. Um, and then, you know, The Bride is such an iconic part of this movie. It's what everybody always talks about, of course. So well remembered. But you only see, like, once she's unwrapped, she's only on screen for about four minutes of the film. So the director's cut of this film was longer. It was 87 minutes long. And uh, but apparently Carl Lamell Jr., he wanted to make like a number of cuts. So he gave James Whale like creative freedom. But at the end, he uh, cut some things down because he said he needed to remove the director's quote unquote excesses. So that prologue that we see at the beginning, that was cut down. The body count was reduced from 21 deaths down to 10. There were two love scenes between the couple, like, the you know, the doctor and his wife. And those were oh. taken out. And then apparently there was some toy representing the monster with a child. And for some reason, they he insisted that that be removed, too. I can't figure out why that is exactly, but... Anyways, in total, 12 minutes of footage were cut, and they have been lost to time, so it's impossible now for them to reconstruct James Whale's initial director's cut of the movie. That's a bummer. Yeah. That is a bummer. The censor's office, of course, also had problems with the film. (laughs) So Whale agreed to delete a sequence in which uh, Dwight Fry's nephew kills his uncle and then blames it on the monster, which I feel like would have been really cool. 
And then apparently he also had to cut some shots of Elsa Lancaster as Mary Shelley in the beginning because the censors felt like too much of her breasts were visible. (laughs) I really wondered when I saw that, like, if people got pissed about that. Because that was a lot of skin for 1935. Yeah. Apparently enough so that they had to cut some of it out, I guess. Uh, the film was ultimately released in April on April 22nd, 1935, and it was made on a budget of $293,750, which would be about $6.27 million today. It was a huge success. It raked in $2 million, which would be like $33.8 million today. And wow. uh, it made a profit of about $16.1 million in today's dollars. So... Yeah, it did really well. Yeah. And in 1998, it was added to the Library of Congress's National Film Registry. That's what I got. Thank you. And like I said last week in the episode, Ariel does one hell of a job on background. So <laughs> oh, she, does. Does. she does. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Sure. I have to follow that, too. Like every every other episode, <laughs> oh, I have God. to do the you research do a great for it. I'm like, too. You're too much. whatever. Like, she, does do, she does do a great job, too. Mm-hmm. I know she does. Mm-hmm. All right, Rachel. I know you love this thing, which is why I brought it I'm back. Because so you know and I don't do it. I know. But, I was kind of surprised when it came back. But yes, Rachel is going to do the 60-second plot summary. I have my stuff. I'm rusty. I haven't done this in a while. I was I'm so excited. As I I've edited these on Stream Queens, but I've never been present for one. It's intense. Do you feel? Do you feel the vibe? Yeah. Do you feel like it's the? I can see you getting and, nervous. Like, yeah, <laughs> I'm like I'm doing my calisthenics. Right. I'm loosening up. I'm got a shadow me, box. Me, me, a me, bit me, first. me. <laughs> gotta do scales. Get warmed up. Get the old uh, pipes. Did you bite your whistle before you begin? I probably should. Oh no! It's empty. <laughs> do you want to get a refill? No, I actually have some water here. Okay. Mm. All right, the whistle is wet. <clears throat> I repeat, the whistle is wet. (laughs) Two, one, go. The movie opens with Mary Shelley and her two best Judies, Byron and Shelley, on another stormy night. They ask her to tell them another story, and she says Frankenstein actually has a sequel. The story picks up where we left off, but twist, both the monster and Dr. Frankenstein has survived. Frankenstein goes home to his baroness wife, and the monster roams around terrorizing people and making friends with the blind. Frankenstein's life is quickly interrupted, though, by the arrival of a very creepy Dr. Pretorius, who himself is a bit of a scientist, except for his specialty is making many people. Now he wants to upgrade and make a full-grown woman with the help of Frankenstein. Frankie is not into it. However, the monster is all horned up and lonely and is super into it. So he kidnaps the Baroness as leverage to get some weird science done. Uh, So Frankenstein, Pretorius, and their weird little sidekicks find a body, kill a young woman for a heart, throw her on the old lightning bed, and she's alive. But it turns out, zombie or not, she is not about humping the monster. So... But fortunately, the monster takes it well. JK, he goes full incel and kills them all, except for every, like, except for the doctor and his baroness wife, I assume because of the Hayes Code. The end. Did One I do it? Yeah. Four seconds. That was really good. <laughs> it, was, it, was, it was good. That was yeah, good. Yeah, that it's was always very good. Go a little longer, I, feel. I liked it. Um, <laughs> okay. So, as people know, I'm just kind of give you guys a reminder again. It's plot, cinematography, audio, and then how scary um ariel as a first-time guest why don't you tell us your your thoughts on the bride of frank <laughs> watch she's like it's <laughs> uh yeah i mean i love this movie so i'm not gonna have a whole lot of like bad things to say about it i may like skew your rankings because i noticed that like when you guys ranked 
when you added up the totals for Frankenstein and Invisible Man, the things that it came like was the same as were shocking to me. Like the third Resident Evil movie was as good as Frankenstein. I mean, come on. <laughs> I think it was the third remake of the game. Oh, yes. I'm so sorry. Yes. <laughs> yeah, it, it's the how scary, right? The how scary. The how is scary, how scary can I think it needs to change rush. to how effective. Like how well does it do the thing that it's setting out to do? We've been talking that whenever this final season uh-huh. ends and we kind of do something still forward. so in 2026 yeah there's no <laughs> time like the present okay but then we have to go back like justice de- justice delayed <laughs> you know what i'm oh saying oh my god rachel <laughs> we've reviewed what? a lot of things <laughs> these things are go- equal <laughs> we'd have to go back and edit let me look we would have to go back and edit 234 reviews that could be an episode by itself where you all just rate movies how scary they are and read through the uh-huh. score and see what ends up in the top 10 i'm just saying that's ludicrous and you have to be willing to admit how ludicrous Let's it just is pound mad like energy drinks and just like <laughs> one after go through another. them all just one after another and like rapid fire you just gotta like make your case for how scary or how effective it is because she's right that the how scary oh it tanks it every time some things yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> all right but for plot um so you have recognized the flaw in our rating system and how one score can <laughs> I mean, I've been cl- complaining about it since the very first episode. That I, was I mean, on. I've heard Rachel talk about that. I've heard you guys talk about it on the show when I've edited the Stream Queens uh, crossover episodes. But it wasn't until I heard the ridiculousness of comparing it to these other movies that I was like, guys, <laughs> yeah. come on. Yeah. Yeah. But I was very happy with how much you guys enjoyed Invisible Man because not everybody likes that movie. And I think it's so much that fun and it's so violent. It's so fucked up. Yeah, it's so it's super violent. fucked up. <laughs> like Justin said, like the scene in the car is just like mm-hmm. John Kramer would be proud. Yeah. Yeah. It's so exactly. it's messed up. So good. Right. It's so messed up. <laughs> but as for this Definitely movie, um, I know that not everybody likes the opening scene because of the accents and the like campy really? overacting, but I love it. And I think it's a perfect setup, especially when you think about the fact that people, if like once something left the theater, you couldn't go see it, right? So if you hadn't seen the original, you really mm-hmm. needed that kind of a setup to know what was happening because they just toss you kind of in the middle of the ending of the first film. People don't like the opening? Yeah, you know what? people complain about it. That, I, I didn't think about that part mm-hmm. of it. Larry... Friday the 13th, part. the first six parts makes so much sense now. Where like half the movie is a recap <laughs> yeah. of what has happened. Okay, I, did, I, for, I completely forgot that. Such a That's because you're babies. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. One of those Fridays, it was either part three or part it, four. The, literally the first fucking quarter of the movie is just like... It was part three. It was part three. Yeah. yeah. Just rehashing. Oh, that was so annoying. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. But there's a reason for it. Yeah. I mean, especially back then, there was no like blockbuster video. I am am not giving Friday the 13th the credit for hearkening back to a classic. I won't do it. (laughs) That's true. I have not been having fun with those movies. Oh, no. Not every movie can be Jason Goes to Hell, okay? Like, sometimes it's coming up. Yeah. Love that. (laughs) Jason X, so funny. Jason X is. Jason Takes Manhattan. They did did that one already. Oh, you did that one already? Okay. It's so ridiculous. I know. They're on the boat. boat Yeah. 
like i was out like, we're gonna get to this when we get the frank and tucker but i was just out when the girl was in like the under cabin at the very beginning and like her acting okay where she's just sitting there it's like justin knows <laughs> like he has he does not like the fainting woman sure i do not like the b-movie acting okay gotcha can't handle it i'm proud you think frankenhooker is a b-movie oh man it's true giving it like i said i saw trauma and i knew hey some trauma movies have merit okay mm-hmm. not a lot of them but some of them so ariel continue on. oh right 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 we're talking Welcome to our reviews with rachel this is how they go yeah she's better at staying on track when we do more deadly i feel like <laughs> Wait, now I, I know why something? those stream queens are like four hours long. Because they're Friday nights and we're tired from the yeah. week and decided just to go. It just turns into a party is what happens. And then we like have to like, oh, right, 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 we have an agenda. Fuck. Yeah. Fuck. Yeah. Okay. So again, I love this movie. I love the plot. I really like that. Okay. So in the first film, it shows you like time and time again, the horrors of how society can't accept differences, right? It's like this perfect metaphor for disability and society being kind of like the real monster but also Mm -hmm. it's totally something queer people can relate to and i understand why like this is something that resonated with james whale why he made it this way in the first film i think it's interesting that the doc like dr frankenstein's whole purpose is to build a perfect man right which i feel like is Rachel's like raising her eyebrows but yeah it's like you can (laughs) you see the inspiration there right I mean and even in this movie okay uh Dr. Pretorius like comes in takes him out of bed and is like let's go make a baby through science essentially right Mm um I don't know it's very I think it's it's super queer in an interesting way I think it's transgressive I've heard a lot of people do kind of like a trans reading of this too that like science can kind of subvert subvert like you know the body and that you can create the body that you want which I all think is really interesting and also just the way it talks about gender and I know Rachel is going to get into like incel stuff I have a feeling because of the way that she did that synopsis but <laughs> calling you out I, I don't have to do I it I made a nice. joke Jeez, I was just going for the ha-has my goodness I didn't know we were on sensitive cast <laughs> But what I really appreciate about this film is that the wife, Elizabeth, throughout this entire movie is, like, pushed to the side. Like, nobody cares about Elizabeth. Nobody wants to listen to her. Like, she's essentially ignored. Frankenstein does, like, the doctor doesn't really care about her. He keeps ignoring her to go, like, make his creations. But once you get to the bride, she is powerful. She is frightening. And she gets to say no in a way that women in the 1930s never got to say. And I think there's something like powerful about the way it's talking about bodily autonomy there in the end. Like she's created, yes, by these two scientists, but once she wakes up, like she's her own woman. And if, if the movie ended, like when she's screaming at Frankenstein, like it would be a good for her kind of a movie, you know, ultimately, obviously it doesn't quite go that way, but, um, but I do. What's that? They have a kid, don't they? Oh, well, because they're son of Frankenstein. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that's not as much my favorite. I like House of Frankenstein. I think that one's a blast. Um, if you've never seen it, it's a little sillier, but I think it's really fun. Um, but I also like both the original and this one. And honestly, a lot of these universal horror movies, like I find them to be... Um, 
so much fun to watch but also like really emotionally resonant like I feel for the monster both of the monsters in this movie so much and I think that they do such a good job of like making you feel like the outsider and understanding Frankenstein's perspective and not that of the doctor you know I don't know I love it I could keep going, but I'm going to shut up now. <laughs> Justin, no, this is No, this is perfect because, like, I mean, you're hitting on things that Larry and I really couldn't. Mm-hmm. Like, really, in, in a real way. And it's, it's you know, maybe it's me. There's a reason why the first time we reached out to your guys' network was Suspiria. And right. it was because we reviewed it and we got some feedback that two dudes talking about a hyper-feminist movie was a choice. And so okay. I was like, I'll go out and find <laughs> The most feminist podcaster I could. And there was Rachel. Smart. <laughs> you did it. <laughs> and, and, she, and she thought we were bringing her on to, you know, oh, yeah, she did. around. <laughs> uh-huh. and, and we just wanted to learn. Yeah. I mean, yeah. you never know. Like, you never know. I listened to your show. And I remember at the you time. Like four episodes. <laughs> your art, like, in Justin, in your art, you were, like, you had breasts. Like, I was like, this could I'm be an interesting think... show. It was a it was Resident, Resident Evil, Evil. thing. You were Jill. Um, oh, okay. Yes. Yeah. And I was gotcha. like, I don't know what to think about this. This go, this go. Right, like, is it tongue in cheek or are they doing something? And now I and know. Now you know very... I'm just a fucking weirdo. Yeah, so yes, okay. exactly. <laughs> but it could also have been something real dark. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> so that's why I was like, all right, I'm going on here. We'll see how it goes. <laughs> it's either going to be amazing or I'm going to have to get out the old castrator. So we'll see how it goes. <laughs> how many years ago was that, by the way? Do you guys remember? I mean, when did Suspiria come out? Five years? Five years. Yeah. So it, was, it was the fall of 2018. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Nice. That sounds like a Mike a future Mike Flanagan series. The fall of 2018. <laughs> <laughs> so dramatic. No, I love it. I love it. All right. Sorry. Was I supposed to say something other no, than? No, we're than... Justin, okay. then you, then me. So okay. Your thoughts. Uh, I I mean, I won't lie. When I started this movie and saw that it was it, like in the code, I was like, okay, we're kind of we're in for like. A bad time really is what I thought is because I know I've heard Larry talk about the code a lot and how it kind of ruined like a certain, I wouldn't say ruined, but like brought down the quality of quite a few films. Uh, and I was worried for sure. Yeah. And I, and I thought this was going to be one of them. Um, do I think it's like as dark as some of the other like pre-code universal movies? No, not necessarily. Especially when you look at the invisible man, like we've talked about, um, but I think it works, but really, uh, no, I, I found myself enjoying it. Uh, I did, I, I enjoyed the plot. I don't know. Like I, in a weird way, think I might've enjoyed this more than Frankenstein. Um, again, I don't think it's as dark, uh, and it does kind of have like the, my least favorite thing in the fainting woman. Uh, yeah, it just bugs me so much. Like get they it. get the vapors and yeah. then they, that's, it's, I mean, Ariel, like you mentioned, it's tossing the female character to the side, basically. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's what they do for most of the movie, uh, except for the last, what did you say, four minutes, was it exactly? Yeah, I mean, she's mm-hmm. technically on screen for longer than that, but she's wrapped up, so you're not seeing her face until, like, four minutes till the end, I think. But it, it does make it so when you do, there's, like, this, like, it's a very, like, impactful moment. Yeah, um, yeah I, don't, I don't know. I I just... I think I enjoyed this more than Frankenstein. That's that's all I. I mean, I mean, I, I, I can't really add to it in a way that it's Ariel more fun. did. Because yeah, that was like, it's for it's sure. fun because it's campy. It's a little sillier. Yeah. It's fun. I mean, the original Frankenstein is like 
sometimes it's a little bit hard to watch because it is so emotional and so dark, you know? Rachel. Yeah, so good news, Ariel. I have positive things to say <laughs> about this movie, even though I want I want to be a troll. No, I know I'm you do, but I, be. like, Larry gave us the option between this and Invisible Man, and I picked this one because even though Invisible Man is more violent and I love it, I thought this one would be more up your alley. To my taste. Yeah, the costume. Um, I mean, I am curious. Yeah. Yeah, the costume. I mean, that's definitely going to come out. <laughs> when we get to visual, I have I things to say about I'm the costuming. Sure. Yeah, I... I think what is great about this is that the pacing is very solid in this. Um, It is one of the things that I struggle oftentimes with some of these older movies is the pacing being glacial. This one actually has a lot of like, it's pretty propulsive and it definitely has a lot of sort of what the fuck moments that like, that keep you engaged we're also when we get to the visuals like that is also another thing is that there's so much visual flair in this that even when some of the pacing is slower there's lots of things to look at on screen that are interesting and engaging um, maybe you should watch Invisible Man then I think, I think she should I think you I think you would really like it yeah yeah I've been yeah. wanting to a do it on Zombie of, Girls for a while we should do it because yeah, a lot of these Universal movies Rachel you'll find especially like the whale ones they're fast. Mm-hmm. They're like okay. 70, 75 minutes in out. I done. did see that runtime and was like, shame. <laughs> <laughs> you know, there are some areas that I struggle with a little bit. Like, I think that it's listening to you talk about it actually kind of is helping me because I felt like I went into it expecting it to be more like Frankenstein. Mm-hmm. That was really this one's sort of more camp and more arch and more fun. And I think it e- it goes down easier, but it, it didn't have quite as much of the like tragic themes that yeah. I really connected to in the first one. Um, and I, I have, and I know this and also understanding how many um, revisions it went through, I can feel a little bit of this. And I struggled with the, the redemption of Frankenstein. You know, I do not like that. Tr- that's my trope that I hate mm-hmm. is when they take a villainous character and then they like decide to redeem demon and make him a heroic character i understand that this is haze related but it still it, it is like a little frustrating to watch as a i mean it's haze related it. but it's also because frankenstein never really is the monster i mean that's the whole point is he's the yeah. victim this whole time no no, no the not the monster movie. oh frankenstein. frankenstein i'm sorry i'm sorry because we keep going back and forth at how we're talking about it no, no, <laughs> we're no, talking about the doctor doctor, doctor. we'll yeah. just we'll talk about the doctor yeah, yeah. Boris sorry and boris and frankenstein um <laughs> That's making it hard for me to call him doctor. Doctor, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, like that. Yeah. And then like because of that, we have that sort of final beat mm-hmm. where he forgives the monster and it feels not in keeping, not just with a modern aesthetic, but like actually Shelley's work. Sure. And so that part I didn't love. And there's not enough bride, not enough bride, because I found her to be incredibly compelling. All right. So those are my negatives. Not a lot, right? Honestly, <laughs> I think that like this introdu- the introduction of Pretorius is fantastic. It's so good. He's such an incredibly creepy little villain and he's so camp and he's like the queerness just like leaps off the screen in this <laughs> yeah. film in a way that I found incredibly enjoyable. I 
I do like the the ideas around body autonomy, and I think that's why I'm struggling so much with the redemption of the Doctor. Yeah, is because I do think that it is not in keeping with those themes. Um, but overall, I actually really enjoyed this a lot. If if this is what old movies are like, maybe I can watch a some lot of old them. Movies. Are yes, I'm them, so glad. I'm are. so excited okay. that you're actually mm-hmm. like enjoying it enough to be willing to watch more of them. Who posted yeah. the Betty Davis? picture on facebook and instagram oh that was me who do you think (laughs) that's another thing i've been trying to get rachel to watch betty davis movies because there is no way rachel would not like a betty davis movie i just i don't believe i I love betty davis like burnt offerings she's fucking amazing in that yeah what's the one so seven i know the movie i can't think of it right now without the tip of my tongue it's like sitting there number seven it's the one with her sister in the wheelchair oh whatever happened to baby jane that Rachel is one of my that is, that is my favorite Betty Davis. It's movie. so good. Okay. And Rachel, the so like the good. costuming in that one and the crazy. I mean, I enjoy looking at photos of Betty Davis. You're gonna like, like sometimes it. when I'm bored, I like Google because <laughs> yeah, I like looking your, at her. Get your crochet hooks out and watch and watch that one. Mm-hmm, I mean, that sure. is does sound like a great old lady day. It's a bunch of old ladies. It's fantastic. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> okay, so. I will rain on this parade a little bit. Okay. I did not Whoop. like it as much as Frankenstein. Whoop. And I think the reason why is when Justin and I reviewed Mary Shelley's book, mm-hmm. that had a glacier pace, as we found out. But Yeah, it was rough. But what I enjoyed about it the most is when we finally meet the monster, that he is able to articulate himself and he is able to express why he wants the mate right Mm -hmm. so in this we start to kind of go down that path (laughs) he he started to go down that path when he meets the blind man and he's living with him and learning how to speak and everything and i think that is why in the third act i didn't like him turning animalistic towards the bride because in the book he never got the bride like that's what he wanted frankenstein to do for him he wanted just to have someone to connect with which way he couldn't connect with the rest of society and go off into the world and just never be seen again and so i found that in the novel to be really compelling because it goes back to what ariel was talking right like frank the frankenstein's monster is the ultimate othered like he's like he didn't ask to be in existence he didn't ask to be put in the society he didn't ask for anything and the only thing he did ask for is his creator to give him someone to connect with and then it was torn away from him. And so in this, when it opened with Mary Shelley and Lord Byron, like talking about it and her saying, well, I've got a part two, because I didn't remember a lot of the plot beats of this movie, for a second, I thought we were going to get more of the monster's development. And we really didn't. And like, it went back to Henry Frankenstein, who I fucking hate in the first movie because I don't really think he's painted as a bad guy as much as he should be because we really? talked about it in that review. Yeah, because like they're always like they're always worried about him. Like in the end, he still is able to go get married and like. Right, but don't you think like, that's a comment on society and how society functions? That's the point of the movie. Maybe, but I hated it, and I hate. Larry him. doesn't like the point of. <laughs> 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 he just want, he wants a happy ending he wants justice he wants a happy ending he doesn't do. like the point of things. i mean and, and for bride of frankenstein justice. i think i understand what you're saying a little bit but i will push back on the animalistic thing at the end because like 
that never left him completely like he's still the monster right and he's learning how to like connect with his humanity more but he's not there because it was torn away from him he's trying to befriend this guy they have this beautiful relationship and then society right comes back in Mm -hmm. and tears him away from this other guy that he's connecting with who is also othered you know by their community i I think that's why i'm going back to like the novel is Mm -hmm. because like that's not how it happens there right and and I, I don't know, like, I, I didn't hate it. Like, I, I don't hate any of the Universal movies. Mm-hmm. Like, they all have a really special place for me. And I think that we owe a lot to them and the filmmakers who made them. Um, right, especially that Tom Cruise one. That one's fucking good. I still haven't seen it. I have no interest. The only Mummy movie the worst. was Doris Carlock and Brendan Fraser. Those are the only Mummy movies that exist. Oh, and they're... But Larry, we still we have to watch I Frankenstein, right? That's like that sexy, like sexy oh, Frankenstein right. movie. I let you pick one, and we're talking about it <laughs> some point tonight. <laughs> um, but but overall, um, I guess I also thought there'd be more of the bride. I didn't mm, realize gotcha. we're getting the Hannibal Lecter situation where like we talk about them a lot, but we see them very little. Yep. Uh, and so I was like really surprised when. Like that was all that we got. Maybe that's, but uh, overall, I did like it. I guess I just I hated that Henry was protected even more than he was in the first film. And again, that's code for you. I hated that we didn't get to dive more into the monster's psyche because he was the most interesting part of the book. And yeah, but the camp is fun. This is the kind of camp I like. Trauma. So, um, <laughs> so with that, I gave plot a six and a half. Uh, Justin. I give it a seven. Rachel? Yeah, seven. That sounds right. And Ariel? Eight. I'm surprised you said eight. I was going to say ten. Gonna say ten. But I feel bad. Like, I mean, speak no, to no, your speaker truth. Speak your truth. Yeah, let's say ten. Truth. I'm going to do ten. Yeah, yeah. Go. I have given <laughs> some scores on here that have plummeted things. Justin has too. <laughs> so feel free to give your true scores. Okay. Uh, cinematography. Let's start with Rachel this time. Okay. Uh, This movie looks fucking incredible. This movie is gorgeous. And there are some, like, limitations on the special effects because of the time that they're in. But I actually, like, you know, like, obvious models, like, the some of the, uh, what is it called? Uh, composting, I think? Or were they... Whatever. Anyway, uh, compositing. That's okay. what I'm looking yeah. for. Not com- composting. Yeah. <laughs> Y'all, it's been a week. Um, But in some ways, I actually think that is a feature not a bug and that it like really highlights sort of the constraints that they were facing and the creati- creativity it really took to bring it to screen in that time with that technology um and then of course just the use of light and dark and reflection and shadow all of that is incredibly beautiful it's noir-esque uh and it really adds a sense of atmosphere to the film i think the way that he he like uses shadow and and spotlights on faces are especially beautiful and um and just it just makes it so dynamic and i think there is when you're you're thinking of black and white films obviously noir is known for its lighting but there is some degree of like oh it's grayscale it's not as beautiful but i think that his the way that he uses light actually is pretty incredible and and it made me i found myself wondering as we were watching it like what would james whale what a, what would a color james well film look like would it be bava-esque you know would it what what would he, the palette that he would use would he be as 
you know, aggressive and dynamic in the way that he uses color, the way he uses lighting. And I, I don't know. That's just that's neither here nor there. It was just something that I found yeah. myself thinking about while I was watching the film. Like, what what he's so ins- like such an inspired visual artist with such a limited paint like pa- like color you know paint palette to if he had all of the colors at his disposal like what would he have done with that I don't know I just thought that was an interesting sort of thought experiment um yeah and then of course I'm gonna talk about the costuming being gorgeous it's so lush I appreciate the fantasy and the glamour of that era first terrible yes 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 but it's beautifully used in this movie like there's a fur lined coat and skirt that it uh, blew me away Everything in everything from the Mary Shelley costuming to all of uh, Baroness Wifey's costuming is absolutely stunning. Even Minnie's, like the the maid, her I loved all of her very. Yeah. I love her like, like headpiece. Yes, like it seems like it has some sort of like ethnic mm-hmm. um, inspiration behind it, and it's really cool and like very graphic in the black and white. So I loved all of that. And then, of course, the bride herself. The aesthetic of the bride herself is amazing. I've seen stills. Obviously, she is iconic. I've seen the hair. But I'd never really seen it in motion. And I feel like the pictures don't totally do it justice. One of the things I loved so much was even when she's in The Mummy, you still have that, like, 1930s strong shoulder. The silhouette (laughs) is still in keeping with the era. It is so fucking chic. I was dying for every... So good moment visually on screen like there is the most mundane moment is still beautiful in this film and then there are other things like when he's being chased through the cemetery and he's like running through the crypts and you see all of the graves and he's like playing with light and shadow it's just stunning or he's just walking down a staircase and that could just be very basic very plain you know but instead we have all of these sort of arches where light's seeking through onto the other wall it's just a beautiful, beautiful movie. And, like, there is a reason, whether, like, Larry, you're a hater and think this movie sucks or you're a lover and you think this movie rules like Ariel, like, this movie and the visuals in it have stood the test of time and are iconic because they are, like, undeniably beautiful and, you know, ground like groundbreaking for, the, for its time. So, yeah, I have nothing negative to say about it visually. They review so much better than us, Justin. Yeah. Whatever. Um, <laughs> whatever. <laughs> Ariel, you can go next. Um, gosh, I mean, Rachel just said it all. I-, I love how these films look. You're right. It's so dynamic. And what I'm reminded of every time I watch one of these Universal movies or or like you were saying film noir i love it there too is that modern directors and cinematographers need to take note because you can make a film that looks dark and gothic and there are tons of shadows and yet you can still see what's happening i don't (laughs) understand what the problem is because nobody seems to be capable of doing that today and it's just i have hopes for nosferatu i do too yeah i mean i think that's the one place where where we could get it for sure but uh, for the most part, it's muddy and messy and you can't see anything that's happening. And I just think it's so like they it helps to make things creepier and to build tension. And also, like you were saying, to make things beautiful. There's one scene where you can see like, um, you know, like on the wall, the things reflected. It's like, you know, a check mark kind of design um, of a shadow. And it's just so pretty. 
And also, like, in that final scene where they're actually using the lightning to wake up the bride and the lightning keeps illuminating their faces as they're looking up and they have these, like, deep scowls and lines in their faces. Like, it's so perfect and it looks so amazing. And uh, they're, I don't know, it's like a work of art, really, in a way that I think a lot of modern movies miss out on and don't hit the mark at all. I love the way they light Pretorius's face. So good. Like, there's a lot of like like yes. kind of like forehead forehead mm-hmm. like a- forward angles and it's like that's in shadow and then his face will be really lit up and it's it's such a visual cue of the like internal of that character oh, yeah. like the sinister it's so sin- it's simple and sinister and beautiful. That's why I was really happy we started this season with Cabinet of Dr. Caligari. Oh yeah. Because mm-hmm. I, I mm-hmm. think that's where I, I'm not sure, but I would imagine Wales saw that and understood that you can play so much with light and dark. Yeah. I mean, there were like and... eight movies when he started. He had <laughs> <laughs> and, but But no, I, I totally agree. Just, I mean, I would I would agree with him. Absolutely. Hands down. I think that as we've gone through these Universal Monster movies, that's kind of been like the one big standout for me is like the visuals and just like how eloquent they are and how well they stand the test of time yeah no i uh i mean i would agree with basically everything said like this is these always seem to be like the strongest like score for Mm -hmm. these movies and i mean it's it's true here too i'm i'm curious to see if it'll well not if when it'll start to fall off when we'll start to see the when time will start to show itself mm, yeah. uh, with these movies. Cause I'm sure that is coming eventually with these movies. Um, but as of right now, I think this is still like their strongest suit. Yeah. And for myself, I was afraid because obviously usually sequels don't hold up to the original except for scream two. And I was, and scream three, but um, <laughs> I was blown away again. Whale brought the same love and attention that he brought the original frankenstein here again and i think you guys already hidden everything and i would just echo one more time that the bride of frankenstein for how i don't think people really realize how very little of her we get in this film like even less than we got of frankenstein's monster in the original because he's in it so much and she's just as iconic and so many people resonate with her and her look and her, the clothing and the silhouette and everything and I think it's just remarkable so for myself for cinematography I think Whale nails it again I gave it a 10 uh, Justin I gave it a 10 as well Rachel 10 like what where where's the imp- where can you improve it's a 10 <laughs> and Ariel 10 awesome are All you right. so happy Ariel yes. <laughs> I knew you were gonna like that part of it though I wasn't worried <laughs> yeah no it's audio gorgeous. oh now we're Justin. getting to the best oh, um so 10 I've, out of 10 faints <laughs> I've long had uh issues with uh portrayals uh in these movies <laughs> um and that doesn't really change here I think in fact it gets a little bit worse because of uh the campiness um while I do enjoy some of it, it's still every time I see it, it reminds me of the birds uh, and how you much I did that not. Fucking movie, so. You hated I birds. really. Oh, I, that's right. I forgot about that. It's it's. I really don't like like 
people playing caricatures of themselves or like caricatures of that uh, character. I would push back against that being a caricature, <laughs> but I also get the sense that maybe you don't like the style of acting that from like 1965. No, I am. Or like maybe no, you don't like don't. transatlantic accents or. I don't know. I, I don't know what that okay. is. So sure. <laughs> well, it's a kind of like the style of. Like it's accent the dialect that you like, Justin. Yeah. Oh yeah. It's amazing. Yeah. Oh yeah. I know. I, I really do not. Um, and yeah, I mean, it's kind of, it's throughout this movie. Uh, as, yeah, it was made in nineteen thirty-five. Well, exactly. Like, um, I still have. I do have to say though, uh, the I, horrible with names. The blind man. Yeah. Uh, is to this day uh for some reason he i like this was my first time watching the whole movie um but i have seen like clips before here and there uh and for some reason his i have seen his scene uh like my grandfather used to watch these movies oh, all the time. okay interesting oh yeah i oh yeah uh, my grandfather used to own a theater <laughs> uh, oh, that's so cool yeah um but yeah anyway so like i have known about like certain parts of this movie for a very long time and for some reason that scene like that sequence of events has always stuck uh stood out to me and i think it's because he does a really good job um how and many times I, did you cry none what I cry <laughs> i don't cry <laughs> you don't cry that's right uh, come on right right right, right. yeah come on no, but I, I just I, I think he does a fantastic job. Um I wish I liked these uh trails a little more because I would find myself enjoying these movies sure. a lot more than I have, but that's I liked them, like the movie Them. That was a good movie until the ants came along. I but, love yeah. that movie them too. I have a huge a poster movie. of it on my wall. Oh okay. Really? So that is a fantastic movie, but it has one huge drawback to it. Okay. The fuck the noise that the ants make yeah. is like ear pitching and it, it kills me inside so much but but everything else about that movie is amazing <laughs> so good but we didn't expect that too that was probably one of our favorites from it's so that fun very short that, yeah. and you know what the original king kong obviously has its issues uh it's a i have watched it since we have watched it it's oh my gosh that's too. so cool yeah it, i love king I, kong. I love yeah, king kong's fun. the claymation in king kong was like Anyways, um, I just don't want to talk about. This. I don't want to talk about the performances in this movie because I just I'm not a huge fan. Yeah, of Yeah, well, if you if you don't like that style of acting, then it's just not going to work for you. He's a good sport. He plays along with me, which I appreciate yeah, as much as I can. Rachel, yes, uh, performances. I feel okay. And score the whole. Oh, I actually. Oh, do really you want my score, score too? No, the, the score. Oh, the film. okay, okay. I actually really love the score. I I went back and listened to a little bit today, especially in those sort of final acts. I like in the early stuff, like when we're with Mary Shelley, it's a little did -ing, did -ing, in a way that I was not enjoying. But once we got into like the, like the horror parts of it, I actually found the score to be very good. I liked it a lot. Like, is it an iconic score that I would hear and be like, Oh, it's Brian of Frankenstein. Probably not. But I felt like it did. It serviced the mood very well. And so I did like the score. The performances, I'm sort of like in the middle. Like I'm a little varied from person to person. It's a, It has, for you, fainting drives you crazy. I hate when a character, all they do is yell. Like everything is said in a yell. Like the so, Burgermeister? Like the Burgermeister at least was funny. Minnie and the screaming and the yelling was a little too much for me. So That's like, so funny. I thought you might like her because she is so over the top camp. Are you, 
You're like, Rachel enjoys a shrill lady no, as a shrill lady. That is herself. not what I said. <laughs> <laughs> no, I know. No, it's, I, I get a little, when it's one note screamy, I, I dip out. I struggle, like, even, like, um, Godzilla, uh, Godzilla minus one. Like, the only thing I didn't like about the I movie. I have not is, seen that movie. It's a little yelly. It's a okay, little yelly. so goddamn good. It is real good. You're going to cry. So <laughs> You're going to cry. It's good. Um, but it is a little yelly. Um, so, like, Mini did not work for me so well. Like, I would say, aside from The Bride, really, the women of this film are not, like, really well portrayed. They're well-dressed, but not well-portrayed. Um, but, like, there are other things I like. Like, I actually did like sort of the clownery of the Burgermeister. Um this movie says a cab and i appreciate them for that oh yeah um and then of course like doctor or yeah dr pretorius oh my god i love him (laughs) that is camp that i can get into he's so fucking arch he is the absolute personification of um queer coding yeah like if, if you want to describe like what is queer coding just throw on a scene of Pretorius and a crypt like having his one vice of gin and his one vice of of you know cigars like all of that like that characterization was perfect like the, he is aside from the bride herself the best addition to the like the Frankenstein canon as far as I'm yeah. concerned his performance is great I loved every bit of it like there's something very Alan Cumming about him oh, that I really connected I can see with. that yeah yeah mm-hmm. yes so like you know, ultimately, like if we take the sum of the like, there are some characters I didn't love, but if you take the whole thing collectively, um, I feel like the the good performances do ultimately overshadow the poor performances. Um, but it is a little bit of a mixed bag for me. Ariel, um, I love almost all of it, <laughs> <laughs> including many. So many for me. Maybe it's because I've watched so many old movies, but she definitely fills this hole of like this comedy character that you find in a lot of movies that are even like that are serious where you have like this one character that's kind of like over the top comedy. And so for me, she like fits into that really well. Um, Mm -hmm. And I don't find her that I don't find her annoying, but I also (laughs) I also totally understand what you're saying. And like, that's not an unfair criticism of the film. Um, like I said before, Elizabeth is definitely given the short shrift here. She is put to the side. And while for me, I find it forgivable because I think it um, adds to like in the themes of the movie itself and like makes those the kind of points they're trying to make with the monster at the end more pointed because of the way that she's portrayed early on. But also it's not like, you know, she's not given a lot to do here. But for me, like Boris Karloff is so good at emoting through pounds of makeup. Like he is so good at that. And Elsa Lancaster is only on screen (laughs) for a few minutes maybe, but you will never forget her. She is so memorable and it's not like her costume. Yes, iconic, but it's also her. Like she is so good at, um, even just the way she like screams and recoils that hiss. Oh, apparently she uh, like was trying to mimic um, swans because I guess they hiss at each other. Um, yeah. So basically she like listened to the way that swans hiss at each other and then like mimicked that, which I think is super cool. Really? Yeah. She hurt her throat though while she was doing it. <laughs> but anyways, I just think like she's amazing. I think she was great as Mary Shelley in the beginning too. 
the scene that Justin you were talking about with the blind hermit is amazing I mean I think that that scene encapsulates like so much about what these movies are trying to say about how society others people and the way that these two men like bond together is just so beautiful and when he tucks Frankenstein into bed and a single tear rolls down Frankenstein's monster's face I cry every single time and it like it literally breaks my heart when those guys come in and shoot at him like it's just it's just so sad. And when the violin mm-hmm. player says, I have prayed many times for God to send me a friend, I weep every time. <laughs> like It's so heartbreaking to me. And, and so beautiful the way they bond, like just them eating and him like teaching him how to say different words. It's so sad that it doesn't work out, you know? Ugh. And also like the monsters kind of utter devastation when he has like placed all of his hopes for connection on the bride and she doesn't want anything to do with him. Like the look Mm -hmm. of devastation on his face also just like broke my heart. I don't know. I just think so many of these performances are really good. And Dr. Pretorius is the most fun. Rachel, when he has that little picnic in the cemetery this time, I was thinking, Tilly would approve of this. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> yep, yep. Like it is a very it is it, the proto goth. Yeah, uh, hath been uh, proto. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> and I know some people think that like his little Lilliputians and like that scene is stupid or something, but I just think it adds to like the ridiculous campiness of his character. It's absurd. It's absolutely it's, it, absurd. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I love it. <laughs> so I'll leave Pretorius to the side because I agree with all you guys okay. on that. Um, I think a couple of things for me that make the audio for this better than Frankenstein are number one for me is the score for the bride. Yeah, like I, I hear that and I know it's for her, and I, I just know, like I know that sound as to be the sound for the bride. I also just totally forgot about how it opens with Mary Shelley sitting there and like saying, well, I got one more story. And as someone who wants Ben Mankiewicz to, you know, read me to sleep every single night, um, <laughs> a partaker of TCM, uh, I also don't mind this portrayal of certain characters from back at that time. I was so used to watching that. Yeah. Um, the biggest reason for me, though, about why this score is so much better is Boris Karloff is just one of the best actors from that time period. And he is given more room to become the monster in this and kind of go through that journey. And I, 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 you guys have already hit on everything, which is why I like going last in these, because you kind of hit on it, right? Is this, this is just a great film. I mean, there is a reason why almost a hundred years later that people still go back and watch this and talk about what it means to horror, cinematography, just filmmaking in general. And I don't know. I, I think it's, I think it's remarkable. Uh, I gave it an eight and a half. Um, What's your Justin. favorite his acting moment? His when he went, Oh, Oh, no, it's what, it's what Ariel said when he has the one tear, <laughs> he's getting tucked yeah. into bed because he feels connection. And... Yeah, okay. Because, <laughs> like, some of this stuff. Oh. Was, mm. <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> Don't watch Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde. <laughs> oh, God, that's a fucking... That movie is... 
Not your favorite. Yeah, huh? I, I gave it an eight and a half. Uh, Justin. I gave it a five and a half. Rachel. I'm struggling because Bratoris is a 10. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I'm going to give it six hand waves and grunts. <laughs> okay. And Ariel. Mm, this is a hard one. I'm going to say nine. Okay. Perfect. And now wow, finally tanking the score over here. Hey, that was painful that... for me. Okay. <laughs> I know. I know. The score that hurts the most is how scary. Uh, Ariel's and you should go one. first. No, no, you Ari- should go first. Yeah. No, you have you not. Go first. Yeah, you. you, you guys are so mean. Okay, how scary? Yeah, yeah. Just as we this. have talked about, it is a lot more camp. We there's a lot more heartbreak, and it's definitely missing a certain tossing a little girl into a pond kind of miss to this. Um. I do not find it that scary. I think that of these universal, Jekyll, Invisible Man, and Frankenstein is the least scary. Um, as iconic as it all is all around, I just, I don't find it to be scary. Yeah, I get it. Pretty much at all. <laughs> I think I think maybe the scariest part about it would be the bride coming to and realizing that she was made to be a mate and being like, like you said, swan hissing fuck no like get away um but i would not say i even picked this movie because of how scary it was potentially going to be so oh, it's a setup so yes that is my thoughts on how scary ariel <sighs> i know i feel this you growing my I soul you. like you're breaking my heart um <laughs> Just lie, girl, so you can give it a 10. <laughs> <laughs> what I will say is that there are two scenes that when I first saw this as a young child freaked me out. So the first okay. one is when you first see Frankenstein and he like pops out of the water and the woman sees him and, you know, he kills her and everything. Uh, that freaked me out when I was a kid as a well as. Jason-esque. Yeah, a little bit. Sure. And the scene where he is watching Elizabeth through the window and he's kind of like behind the curtain outside, that creeped me out when I was a kid too. Other than that, I think that the way that the lighting is done in this intentionally makes things more creepy, especially like within the mansion and then when they're doing the like lightning shit at the end of it. Um, And just like the horror you were saying, like on the bride's face, I think too, makes it creepy. I just don't, I disagree with the whole premise of this section (laughs) because like (laughs) this movie is, while it may have been more scary in, you know, 1935, I also don't think that was even the total intent of this one because of how much camp he put into this movie. (sighs) Your objection is noted. Yeah. I will put it next to Thank and you. with that, Rachel, it. what do you think about how scary this movie is? I've been accused of a lot of things over the years, many of them accurately, including <laughs> that I am a social justice warrior. Okay? Mm-hmm. That's right. I'm the bodica of social justice when it comes to horror movies. And I'm going to score this based on what I think this category should actually be, which is how effective is this film? This movie is dripping with atmosphere. Is it scary in traditional uh, terms? No, it's not scary. But 
I don't know that it was ever meant to be scary. What I think it was meant to be was unnerving. It was meant to be captivating. And I think in that way, this movie is very successful. It's what it's doing. So I'm going to give it a give seven. The scores yet. I don't care. This is, <laughs> She's do going not rogue. disenfranchise me, sir. <laughs> in the year of our Lord, 2024, women still have the vote because <laughs> our dear leader, the Orange Trump, has not returned to power. So, yes. seven. <laughs> Justin. Uh, I would have to agree with everything Larry said. <laughs> I thought you were an ally. <laughs> I am, but it's not scary. It's the question Larry asked me is how scary is it? Mm. I'm giving him an answer. I feel the same way about it that he does. So for scores for people who haven't voted yet, uh, I gave it a two. Like I said, I, I do think the horror in the bride's face at the end is a lot, but I'm comparing it to what came before and it just doesn't. And I'm going to check that. to see what else you gave it to, too. Just okay. So. Justin, what do you give it? Uh, I gave it a one. I don't even have that screen pulled up. That I don't want to see Ariel's disappointment in me. I don't think I could take it right now. <laughs> and Ariel, what did you give it? I'm giving it a seven. Okay. Perfect. So to review the scores mm-hmm. for plot, I gave it a six and a half. Justin Rachel gave it sevens, and Ariel gave it a ten for plot. For cinematography, we all gave it tens. For audio, I gave it an eight and a half. Justin gave it a five and a half. Rachel gave it a six, and Ariel gave it a nine. And then for how scary, I gave it a two. Justin gave it a one, and Rachel and Ariel gave it a seven. I will say this is probably one of the ones with the biggest score discrepancy, with Ariel's overall being a 90 and Justin's overall being a 59. Oh, damn. (laughs) (laughs) But the average in the Here's Johnny final score is a 73. On my sheet, I do do 0.1 percentages, Mm -hmm. like on the the master breakdown. Mm -hmm. So I will tell you that Frankenstein was a 72.5. Ride is seventy two point eight. Damn! So it I, is I thought I was going to get it up there higher. <laughs> I tried, girl. I tried. Do you, you see my solidarity? I appreciate you even so much. even after you did me dirty so many times in this episode, I still rode for you. I just want that honor, good friend. You're just a seventy five overall. Yeah, that actually feels um, really accurate. What can I say? I bring the party down. So seventy three. Like we discussed last week, and mm-hmm. probably will make Ariel pull her hair out again, mm-hmm. it is tied with Arachnophobia, OG Frankenstein, The Last Voyage of the Demeter, <laughs> the original Resident Evil film, and Tucker and Dale vs. Evil. The Tucker and Dale vs. Evil is a good fucking movie. That's a great That's fucking a good movie, movie but See, come on. That's one that I think got tanked by the how scary it is. Voyage of the Demeter. That was how funny, how scary. Yeah, Voyage of the Demeter. Come on, come on. Why did... Oh, she just Uh left. left. She's gone. She's She's like done with this shit. She's (laughs) out. The films below it were the Child's Play remake and Predator. And then the films above it is the OG Evil Dead. So there you go. Um, I don't know that the the OG Evil Dead. That's interesting. That is interesting. I think it got hurt by cinematography. Yes, it did. A um, lot because of some scenes. Yes, because we were not appreciative. Like, the tree rape scene does not age well. Huh. It doesn't need to be there. It's no, pointless. It is not. Correct. Correct. I agree. But how else would she get impregnated with evil? And by full penetration. 
Well, you got me. <laughs> it's just science. <laughs> hey, Zack Snyder showed all his characters were evil in uh, Rebel Moon by having them attempt rape. Uh-huh. <laughs> I mean, it so. is a sign of evil. <laughs> <laughs> so with that, uh, we're going to play some music and then head on into the closing. Next week, Justin and I are wrapping up this little Frankenstein mini sesh with Young Frankenstein. Yay! Um, that's so exciting. I can't wait to hear that. I, I haven't seen it in so long. And like I was telling Justin, I forgot that there was even a callback to tossing the girl in the lake. Because the only scene I remember is the tap dancing scene. Uh, well, Young Frankenstein yeah. is a fucking great movie. <laughs> okay, it's So, so I'm actually really excited to watch it again. Because that's like the only thing I always remember. Is this all the Frankenstein you're doing, or are you doing any sort of like moderny ones? No, this is it. So no birth, rebirth. I don't know what that is. Oh, it was our number like what number two movie of the year? Something like that. Yeah, it was one of our uh-huh. top ones. It's is it? So it was 2023. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, came out last mm-hmm. year. I yeah. can add. We've been adding to the season anyway. Let's push it to 2027. Yeah. Oh yeah. my let's, god. Let's go all, you know what? Let's go all the way to 2028. Let's do it. Let's do it. Let's we might end up there. We might I end know. up there. I know. Uh, but I will pass the mic over to Rachel and Ariel. Go ahead and plug your stuff. Oh, okay. Uh, Rachel just told me I have to do it, so <laughs> I'm on the spot. Well, I always do it when I'm on here, so I'm giving you the chance. All right, all right. So, uh, like Larry was saying, we do the More Deadly podcast where we review uh, horror movies made by women-identified directors and interview as many of those directors as we possibly can. But we're part of the we Zombie have some Girls. Exciting ones I know, up. I know. I'm so excited. I wish we could talk about it because I am thrilled. But I, I don't want to jinx it. No, but it, I, I love your guys' show, and it's like the hardest part oh. for me is when you review something that I haven't seen because i don't mm. listen if i haven't seen right, it you don't want it spoiled sure but i love the fnaf episode oh good i also have only played one of the games the first one but i have similarly to you i have fallen down <laughs> yeah oh good i'm glad so i felt seen okay good good, good. <laughs> um but we are part of the zombie girls network spelled g-r-r-l-z so you can find zombie girls and more deadly anywhere you get podcasts we are at zg podcasts on basically all social media platforms uh x follow their instagram, instagram. great stuff oh thank you and threads mm-hmm. and we have a zombie girls facebook page too that we do some stuff on and oh uh, for the boomers yeah I guess so. (laughs) (laughs) But we have a bunch of shows on the network. So whether you're into like uh, The Dark Tower or Nicolas Cage, Larry, uh, there's something for you. (laughs) We really have got to get Peggy Sue done and move on to something else. It's such a good movie, guys. Come on. Oh, I've already watched it. Have you watched it yet, Rach? Of course. We should just get that done. We just need to get that one done and move on to Moonlight because that's one after that. Yeah, Moonlight. Get some share in our lives. Mm-hmm. Oh yes, share. I, you and you haven't seen it yet, right? No, you've never seen it. Oh, oh that'll be fun. 
you're gonna have strong feelings i suspect mm-hmm. but you're also do. softy so there's like it's a very romantic movie i try to pretend that i'm hard and stuff but deep down you're not you're a big old softy <laughs> It's, it is a movie that I regularly quote to my cats um, on an almost daily Wait, basis. Wait, which line do you quote? Why are you making me wait? <laughs> <laughs> so with that, like I said, next week is Young Frankenstein. And patrons stick around. Uh, we watched another Frankenstein movie that maybe someone out there quotes to their cats. I- Sarah probably. Doing <laughs> <laughs> that, everyone. Thanks for Want hanging out. Want a date? <laughs> and until next time, stay scary. The Here's Johnny podcast is brought to you by Larry and Justin. You can find the show on Twitter at Here's Johnny Cast, and you can find Larry at beaver la you can find justin at pickle thing and you can email the show at here's johnny podcast at gmail.com you can look us up on facebook at here's johnny podcast as always in the show notes you can find links to the discord and to the website we are also on instagram at here's johnny underscore podcast also in the show notes we'll have a link to the twitch and youtube channels and if you would like to support the show you can head on over to patreon.com slash here's johnny podcast every cent goes into the show And yeah, we just really use it to make the show better. Again, I just want to say thank you very much to our patrons. You guys help make this possible. But yeah, Patreon is the way we support the show. We aren't looking to get rich. And like Justin said, every dollar, every cent, it all goes back in. There's some pretty cool tiers. So head on and look at that. But until next week, see you guys later. Mm